All right, if you want to swoon me and you want to be Big Spoon and I'm Little Spoon, you're going to tickle the... Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast to go with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts, but we're not going to be critics, we're not going to throw numbers at you, we're just going to ask at the end of the conversation, so did you like it? I am Sir Square, and joined as always with my co-host. I am the Gemini Killer. Guys. We also have special guest. Again, it feels like it's, it hasn't been that long. It really Who hasn't. are you? Introduce yourself. I am the Gemini Bandit. <laughs> no, I'm Digivibs86, everybody. How you doing? I'm back. They, I, they, they twisted my arm, and I said, yes, more. Yeah, we're back another week. We with these two jackasses, I guess, with their whole fucking Gemini bit. Where I'm just by myself, just the odd man out. I'm that lone kid on the playground, just like, why am I not a Gemini? I guess. Sorry for, sorry for being a Leo. Fuck you guys. Um, two things. Gemini is two. There's two of us. Three of us can't be a Gemini. That's stupid. Secondly. <laughs> At least Gemini Killer was a thing from the movie. Bubs made a reference that nobody listening to this podcast will get. <laughs> That's very true. That's fair, very true. Fair. Thank you for the D&D call-out, like the obscure D&D call-out, Bubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're back. And, you know, last year we gave you the, the present of the Christmas Prince trilogy for the spooky season. So this year we thought we'd just screw all of you over with horror films in October because who does that? Bunch of weirdos. Yeah, so, so you might as well just go get yourself a pumpkin spice latte when you listen to this podcast. Cause... Yeah, like, what? <laughs> what? And save the gingerbread latte for Christmas? You bet your ass it's pumpkin spice or nothing. You, if they're selling pumpkin pies, no. get yourself a pumpkin pie right at it too. Be, be, be different, everybody. Be different. Incapable of staying on track on an episode that has Bubs. What movie did we watch? <laughs> well, before we get into the movie, we are going to be having guests throughout the month uh, that have been invited to show us horror films that they enjoy. With Bubs coming in first to show us The Exorcist 3, directed by William Peter Blatty, based off of his own novel with the screenplay written by him. He also wrote uh, the screenplay for, or helped write the screenplay for the original Exorcist. Uh, this is the this is the actual sequel to the story of The Exorcist, the first movie. This is the sequel that follows. Well, the second one was also a sequel, but it's this is the this is a sequel. This is a sequel. I am. I'm. It's hard to explain how this all worked out. To be honest, I I knew oh. about this movie because Kaz had told me about this movie, but I had never seen it before. I have I have a fun fact about the movie. So, when they were working on the movie, the book it's based off of is called Legion. The movie, when they were working on it, was called Legion. The studio was like, nah, it'll probably make more money if it has the Exorcist name, so call it Exorcist 3. The director, who wrote the books, hates that it's called Exorcist 3, because that means he has to acknowledge that Exorcist 2 is canon, and he hates <laughs> Exorcist 2. Yeah, because, so, like I was saying, this both of the films were a sequel. Exorcist 2 follows uh, Reagan uh, later on in her life and is widely regarded as a terrible movie with a not great story. And the original director and the writer has just explained, 
both despise the film. So what I mean by this is a sequel is because it brings up the story of a character you didn't think they would bring back, and they bring them back in the most insane way that makes it an incredibly compelling story for what is a horror sequel. Like, I went into this movie blind. I only knew about the hallway scare scene. We'll get into that later. But I was not prepared to watch a film that blew my mind in a more kind of just story way. This was a very compelling story. For me, I I had never seen anything outside of The Exorcist 1, and uh, we saw this together, me and Kaz. Uh, like af- after uh, after our streams on date night, we would actually uh, we had time because I had a different schedule then. We would watch horror films at the end of date night, and this is one that he showed to me, and I did not know what to expect, and I absolutely love this movie. I think it's so good. I um I saw a different a bunch of different horror movies with Kaz as well, but. This is the one that kind of really stood out to me the most because of the writing, the whole setting of all the characters. And, of course, just like you mentioned, the one character they brought back that makes absolutely no sense at the beginning why he would be back until they explained it. But it's just, it's it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I, I watched this movie years and years ago, and I fucking loved it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is clearly the best Exorcist movie and I guess slowly I infect people by making them just like, you have to watch this. It's, I always preface it. It's fucking weird, but it's so fucking good, man. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this movie. I've seen it, like, I think, like, half a dozen times already. One of the things I found when researching this movie after we watched it was some critics really didn't like this movie because they said it was too wordy and almost like a novel. But I feel like that's the only way this movie really worked. It needed all of that heavy dialogue to explain its purpose because the horror isn't in the jump scares. It isn't in showing you a really messed up body. It was in the situation that was at hand and what that really meant for everyone involved. And I I ate it up. I loved that. The fact that they made this a character story and that the horror was just the, just what was happening to everybody at the time. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, they cut away from every single kill. Like, it's always, like, set up. It's always something very creepy happening. A voice that doesn't seem right. You know, something going on that's completely out of ordinary. And you see a character's shocked reaction. And it always cuts away. You almost never see any gore until, like, the very end, which... Yeah, I think... We'll get into some of that. <laughs> I think, like, one of the only things they really showed, uh, like, outside of actual gore, was there was a nurse that was just dead on the floor. And that was about it, right? But they didn't show much. She was just, she was face down, of course, uh, in her underwear, and there was just blood on the floor. But. Yeah. <laughs> but the most the gore we saw in the movie. People's heads removed. Oars put into like stumps of bodies, uh, fingers removed, eyes stabbed in, and we don't see any of these things. The most blood we saw, all of it was in like neatly uh, kept containers. So it was just like, yeah, that's a lot of blood, but is that is that realistic? Is that how much blood is in a person? 
I don't know. I'm sure like, it's a lot, but it doesn't look like a lot when you look at it on the I, I feel like they had to have done the research. If they didn't, then... Yeah, especially when they were... That's on there. They were in a hospital, so it would make sense for them to do their research about a amount of blood in a person. Also, you going back to saying that it seemed weird, or people complaining that it seemed wordy, um, it's almost like it was directed by a novelist. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> this is what happens when you let the author of the original novel direct and write the movie. He wants the dialogue because that is the important part of the novel. Yeah, but, but then if you look at Maximum Overdrive... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it doesn't always work. I'm not going to say, yes, do this all the time. No, look, I love Brandon Sanderson. I love his books. Do you think I want Brandon Sanderson, like, directing a movie? No. Do you? Do I want him involved with the writing process? Yes. Do I want him as the main screenwriter? Maybe not, you know, because you never know these things because, yeah, they want to keep as much as they can of the original book, of the original intent. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't always transfer the best over to visual media or you don't actually have enough time because you need to keep your viewers in the seat. You need to be able to keep them entertained, occupied for the amount that you have. And the longer the runtime you risk, the harder it's going to be for you. That's fair, but I, I think if they would have tried to do this movie any other way by trying to make it just all kind of like special effects, like the first movie, I don't think it would have done as well to me as it did it on its own. Like, it was different. It was, it was still an Exorcist movie, but not to the point where the head spinning in circles and pea soups flying out everywhere, mm. you know? It was just to the point where there were some little parts that were kind of silly. We'll probably get into that too. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit of a silly movie too, isn't it? the The dialogue for what they wrote in the movie, i I think it was, I think it was done well, and I feel like, at least to me, it didn't seem like overly wordy in any type of way. I, I was just, I was okay. eating it up the whole time I was watching the movie the first time. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Like we're watching this, and we usually watch it in a Discord group with people. I felt really rude. Tell <laughs> I should probably should have told them afterwards, but I told the people there. I was like, yeah, I had to mute y'all. I we were making funny jokes as we normally do, but I was like, I I don't care. I've seen this movie like I said half a dozen times, but I still had to mute them because I love listening to characters monologue or even dialogue between characters in this because it's so fucking interesting and so well acted. Um, but it's funny that you mention uh, the no special effects, no spinning heads early commercials or interviews for this movie had the director who's also the writer of the books um bragging about it he said oh yeah this is a movie it's not gonna have any of the special effects of the first one we're not gonna have you know spinning heads and people spitting out you know pea soup or whatever he says literally those things because he is excited for the toned down version of the exorcist that people have been getting (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, like, I think that worked in its favor because they had already done... Look, The Exorcist is one of those horror films that you always tell people, like, you have to see this movie. Like, if there's a horror movie you ever see, like, one of them is The Exorcist. Yeah. Because it is great. It's a fantastic film. It's... For for when it came out, it is an important film that really set up, like, how important the horror genre is in filmmaking. But for The Exorcist 3 went in such a different direction that that alone already kind of gets you a little interested to see like, well, then how are you going to pull this off then as a sequel? 
And then if you let him, he pulls it off. Even though there was studio intervention, even with like the cut we got, it was enough to pull off a compelling I, sequel. I have a lot I can say about the studio intervention. I just don't know if you go to a big <laughs> tirade about it. Well, we can do that now or we can do that later, but we're going to do that because I would like to know more on it. You don't call me moron. You're moron. I just um, say, fuck you. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I can talk to it now. Now it seems like a, now it seems like a good moment. Uh, I will... So it's a little contentious, actually. People say that this might... Sometimes people say this is actually an example of student interference actually helping a movie. It didn't do extraordinarily well, so I don't know how it did, but this is the version we saw, with, you know, uh, as opposed to, you know, most of the time people say, oh, studio interference ruins the movie. Um, some of the, some of those, the, the things they were going to do, I think, would have, like, broken your heart actually knowing about it, uh, Square. And so, like, we have Brad Dorif, who plays the Gemini killer slash, you know, Patient X, whatever, Father uh, Karras. And originally they got... Um, Brad Dorff because they didn't know they could get the original actor, Jason Miller. They were like, oh, I don't think we'll be able to get him. So they hired Brad Dorff and they said, yeah, he's just going to play the other character. So they did the entire movie with Brad Dorff playing all of the parts of Father Karras. Then they were able to get uh, Jason Miller and so they brought him in and they were like, alright, well, yeah, we'll use him since we can get him. They had him do all the parts as well. And they took out all of Brad Dorff's parts, so it was only Jason Miller. Then I think the people who were working on the movie, uh, the, you know, not the not the uh, studio interference, actually, it was the people who were working on it, were like, well, this is disappointing. Like, And Brad Dorff was upset that he was completely cut out of the movie. So they this was the compromise, is they had him switch in between being Brad Dorff and Jason Miller. And I think it works out really well, actually. Oh, it was... That that moment when you see Karis and he starts monologuing and you realize the character has changed, uh, you're you're getting into the sequence, and then when he screams, "I am alive! I exist! I go on!" and like you can see the eyes change already that this is a new person, and he leans back and you see it's Brad Dorf now. And he says, you are, uh, like, what do you see? And with this response, it's like, I see someone who looks like Father Karras. Um, keeping that dialogue, and then he goes into that monologue, like, if you saw with, like, like the eyes of faith, you know? I thought yeah, that you was... Saw, you could see me if you looked with the eyes of faith or something. I... Oh, I was eating it up. I was immediately hooked. I... Just the implications but... of either, like, does the, does the detective see uh yeah the gemini killer or is like he's a man truly looking with the eyes of faith because of his relationship with faith after what has happened to him in past events and then like i i wish there was more brad dorf but i i feel like with the with the with the little bit of scenes that he actually got they were they were very impactful so i think if maybe if we would have gotten more of brad dorf I think that would have oversaturated the movie. But by bringing him in for just those spots every so often when he's doing the interrogation inside the, you know, the, uh, what was it, the isolation room, it was beautiful because each time, each time Brad Dorf was on, on the screen, 
it he demands your attention with the dialogue that is coming out of his mouth. He's calm, he's collected, then he jumps up and he starts yelling and screaming, and he's just kind of everywhere. And I, I think he did a beautiful job as that character. And I was... He talks about... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> the most psychotic shit with such glee in his voice. He goes from like being very, like, very um, stoic, you know, but then he'll just talk so jovially about... You know, his process, taking out people's blood, talking about what an artist he is, how much he loves Shakespeare. Shakespeare comes up more than once also in this. But, uh, yeah, he his dialogue is so good that the idea... Now, this is the version we got, so naturally, I, I, I love it, having it switch between the two actors. But the idea that they would have cut uh, Brad Dorf out completely is upsetting to me. <laughs> I can't imagine that role without him. It is his control over emotional cadence. It, that is just so incredible about him. he plays the insane the man driven to insanity so well whenever he needs to it's the way he is able to just not only like are his, his emotions everywhere so we've got his emotional cadence but his actual speeching like speaking cadence changes as well you get that just very like calm, collected, monotone, like each word is perfectly spaced out. And then he's like switching to this like while he's like in that gleeful state where there's like almost like some skips to it in certain places that just kind of throw you off to where your mind has to reset to, to follow him. But you really almost can't because you have to be in that state to really understand his thought process because no matter what, like who really understands the mind of an insane man. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's wild. I I I love Brad Dorif, but he was in this movie the just right amount. Because like Father yeah. Karras is actually only in this movie for maybe about 30 seconds. But at the very end he is uh himself would before he dies and then when he's first introduced there's a brief second where you see him pop like take control but is smothered away uh because he's really the master when it's uh jason miller and then when james takes over brad dorif is there because the demon is possessing the body at the same time but is it pazuzu or is it like someone else they never mentioned Pazuzu. I have no clue. I think Legion is supposed to be its own demon, isn't it? Like in the Bible. I think they even quoted in the movie. But yeah. In the Bible and... verses, like, we are Legion for we are many. So I think that's a different entity than Pazuzu. Yeah, because I don't think they mentioned Legion at all, but it, he kind of plays with it about, he says there's, I think at one point he says, like, there's there's a lot of them or something like that in that sense. So I guess it's just a way of saying it is Legion, but not not Legion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think him saying because he he said the master uh, put him into that body because he had a score to settle. Now uh, Kinderman, as well as a lot of the other characters, uh, uh, Father Dyer were in the were characters in the first um, Exorcist. So you got I don't know whether that implies that Pazuzu is the master, but may but more so that like he's aware of what happened and that this exorcism was successful and they weren't able to get the child or Reagan. So the vendetta is taking over the body of Karis to make it really, really hurt. And then 
also going after people, you know, killing Dyer, going after people in Kinderman's life. You know, I think I think it is it isn't Pazuzu because I do remember uh, the lines in the film with Brad Dorf where he says, "The father cast out certain parties from a girl." Yeah. And parties weren't pleased. And another part, like certain parties weren't pleased about that. So I do think the master is probably, yeah, it has to be someone else. And it, like Legion, Legion is uh, in the book of Luke, in the book of Mark. Uh, Jesus asks, What is thy name? Uh, Legion, for we are many. Uh, or in Luke, scary, he says, For many <laughs> demons have entered him. I mean, I, I guess they, they kind of kind of played to like. That, that scene towards the end of the movie when the ground kind of opens up and there's all those people coming out of the ground. I guess that, in a sense, could be the many different demons in oh. Legion, you know? I took that as being the, those being victims of Legion. Those were the victims. I thought I mean, they I were the victims of Legion. That's what I thought. Oh, okay, so I, I was thinking yeah, completely I, different. I don't then. know that they spell it out. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think they spell it out. But especially since it was supposed to be the first child, the black child that was killed at the very beginning, uh, that was kind of the one on the cross that they were bringing up, uh, makes me think that it was victims, all victims kind of thing. Kinderman's part right there, when he just kind of yells out in pain, God, why? Mm-hmm. I, it was it was so heartbreaking. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> so George G. Scott is amazing in this. I love him as Kinderman. He... Uh, he has just as good delivery and dialogue. Well, not just as good, but he has really good, close, good, you know, good just dialogue all the time. Um, as as um, the Gemini killer in this one, he's going off, and I even has that one at the very end when he's like asking it, you know, when the demon's asking if I've you know helped his you know loss of faith, and he says, and he's just going, I believe in faith or in filth, in slime, you know, corruption, all this stuff. <laughs> I believe in you. It was, it was God. <laughs> it was so like, just like, uh, it, it, he, yeah. I don't know. It feels like out of place because it feels like this whole thing is trying to like build into like a man who has he lost his faith or has no faith, maybe seeing the, the realities of it. And all it does is kind of he he goes from a man who I think I would venture to say that Kinderman has to be the most justifiably frustrated man in all of cinema. Yeah, because one, like, he and... lost his best friend of many years, Father Dyer, and then Legion sent the possessed old lady to take, what, it was his daughter? His daughter's life yeah. in front of his own eyes? And... His daughter. And, and it's... His... Like, Jesus, dude, like, his... this demon... Had a bone to pick with Kinderman, and he wanted him to suffer. And if I list like everything, I think that was eating away at Kinderman for this whole movie. Uh, so the demon, yeah, tried to kill his daughter. It killed Father Dyer, who was a friend of his. It took possession of um, Karis, who I think they imply also was a friend of his, like that they were friends. Uh, the three of them, yeah. at least, uh, because of what happened. Um, the uh, the demon also kills that child at the beginning who was a part of a police program so he was tangentially known to the detective the, 
uh, he's having to yell at some of his people at the beginning. He brings up Shakespeare. He talks about Hamlet being the moral decay because he has officers who, like, saw that, you know, like, someone was killed in, like, some kind of racial uh, motivated, like, killing. And their reaction was, ah, you win some, you lose some. So he even is having trouble with people within his own bureau. There's a carp in his goddamn <laughs> This nurse is giving him problems. This guy, Gemini killer is revived now. Like, everything is going so bad for this man. Uh, but, yeah, when he said, uh, like, God, why? And the, but the, the demon's like, your God is not here now. <laughs> And you just see you hmm. see that slow cinematic light slowly making its way back to the the crucifix that's on the ground. <laughs> like God was I, like honestly, yeah. in my head I thought to myself like it was a situation where you just like the priest is like in a boxing ring just like on the floor and God is the coach <laughs> over him slapping him on the face like hey get up you got to fight come on get up get up I didn't hear no bell <laughs> get up priest you got to keep fighting cuz Mickey loves you and he's just like he picks up that 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 picks up the rosary. He's all, he's all, father, you must fight it. And then, you know, everything just kind of blows up. It's great, beautiful. That's a good analogy for yeah. that. I, I really like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he, he uh, Karis is able to break free for a split second. Uh, uh, Kinderman is able to, you know, drop to the ground, collect himself, and in that split moment, he tells him, "Now shoot, kill me now." And, Fucking this guy does not. No, wait there was time. no hesitation. There was no split second, or like a, like a cut to the camera to show Kinderman kind of to like, oh, I don't know what to do. That no, was uh, shoot up. Like, like like he didn't have to finish his words. Yeah, <laughs> he was, yeah. I he just fucking shoots him in the, I like in that shot of the sun, the beautiful music. I like how it ended. I like how it left us wondering, well, what happens to Kinderman now? Does he become a, a, a patient? Of said ward? He gets fired for murdering. Well, yeah, or does he go to prison? I mean, because, I mean, at this point, his mental capacity, uh, uh, just as an individual, must be at an all-time lowering. And uh, I'm sure that would drive anybody you, crazy. You saying that you uh, love this ending, so, like, I, I mentioned that I would talk about the differences between this and the original uh, intentions, so... Uh, there's plenty of other ones, but I think this will just be like kind of like the last one, unless I think of something else, because uh, it was like the last major one that they changed. There was originally supposed to be no exorcism. The, bo the book doesn't have an exorcism at the end. He just kind of goes in, he, like after he realizes all this stuff and he saves his daughter, he goes in and he fucking kills the Gemini killer uh, to free uh, Father Karras. Um, but the studio since one one not only they made it an exorcist movie they said there's no exorcism in this exorcism movie we need an exorcism so the whole like what was the other uh priest's name uh it was uh father morning the, the one who did yeah morning? father morning okay yeah so he wasn't in the movie they had to do reshoots and cut him in that's why his scenes are so weird yeah they make absolutely just, like, no sense yeah they come out of nowhere. We're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, because they, they, they were never... They, uh, uh, I might have like spaced out for a second, but like they didn't bring up at any point that he was possessed, right? I mean, th there was no reason for that priest to be there. Like, the, 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 the Catholic like, Church no just one say, told. <laughs> he just knows, I don't think I Kinderman guess. tells anyone about Damien. Really. Like, <laughs> I think he might tell the his, like, uh, his sergeant, maybe, but... 
I mean that that's a normal... how, how does this guy know what's going on? Does God just tell him it? Do they? If you're gonna tell me God yeah. tells him in a, in like a vision to go to the hospital to do his work, you need to give me that vision. If you give me Fabio as an angel, you can give me Fabio telling him about the evil in the hospital. Listen, this is this is this is what happened. It was on deleted scenes. I I know I was part of the cut. Everybody, I was there. He was eating. <laughs> he was eating a quesadilla, and then he saw. The Guadalupe inside of there. And he knew that he had to go to that hospital to exercise patient X. <laughs> yes. Yes. The quesadilla told him, the Virgin of Guadalupe <laughs> told him to jazzercise the, the demon. That's the, that's yeah. crazy. Perfect. The tortilla came off the griddle with the, <laughs> the Guadalupe burned onto it. And he was like, <laughs> he had a Hispanic accent first, and he was like, I don't know, but I must go there. <laughs> And I must stop the demon. They were like, yeah. That's it. That's, that's your man. Your oh, my gosh. The demon? No, look. Okay. No, no, no. No, no, no. You have Patrick Ewing, the basketball player, as the angel of death, and you have Fabio as an angel. You could have given me the sequence of just, like, angels stumbling into church going, like, hey, yo. You're needed for God. Let's go. That that makes Something, more sense. Yeah. Anything. The first, the first movie established that like to get an exorcism, you have to go through all this rigmarole. You got to go get permission from the Catholic Church and all this stuff. The Pope has to sign. I don't know the Pope, but like they have to get hot permission from high on top. This fucking priest just walks in like a fucking boss, and he's like, "I'm gonna exercise this fucking." Uh, Father, Father Morning was the bad boy of the church. All right, he doesn't have to worry about getting signed off by the Pope. <laughs> he's just like, "Hey, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. He's just drove in on a motorcycle. He's like." Fucking rebel exorcism. I'm here to I'm here to exercise some demons. Where they at? Let's go. The, the fucking archdiocese is just behind the fucking counter, just going like, "You're a loose cannon, Father Morning, but you're so damn good at your job." You're okay, damn okay, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> Solemn exorcisms, according to the canon law of the church, can be exercised er, exercised only by an ordained priest or higher prelate with the express permission of the local bishop and only after a careful medical examination to exclude the possibility of mental illness. Um, well, they didn't show us that. I mean, so the man. most they did was just show them getting, like, brain readings, right? But did they explain why they were doing that to him? Well, just because he's in the hospital. Yeah. Like, he's oh, in okay. the, like, he's in the mental health uh, ward of that hospital. Yeah, and he seemed to show high brain activity while he was sleeping. Because um, he was possessing other people, but they don't know that. They're just, oh, this is... Weird. Yeah, he, she even explained um, that all bodily functions stop to basically the crawl of an almost dead man. And then the brain just shoots up as if, like, something wild is going on. So, the bubs. it's just like the book. The original ending had Kinderman just kind of, after he saves his daughter, he comes in. He goes to... Uh, to uh, the Gemini killer in his cell, and he says, he says something along the lines of like, "I'm sorry, you're free now, Father Karras," and he shoots him. Credits. <laughs> Which I don't know. I feel like it's a bit anticlimactic for. <laughs> uh, no, I think one of the greatest endings of all time I've ever seen was on a YouTube clip where a man shot a small grenade launcher, blew up a villain, and then credits rolled that said, Mark then later turned himself into the police where he served 75 years for his crime. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we're missing the explosion. <laughs> yeah, we, he we shot him in the head, and it, Father Morning's face <laughs> to peel off. It should have said Kinderman later turned himself in for the murder of an innocent patient. <laughs> later killed inside of the prison ward for being a cop. So, so I mean, he's a cop. How, how much trouble is he? Gonna I mean, he's, they're gonna be like, "Hey, Kinderman, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're suspended with pay. Now get out of here. Put your badge and the gun on the table." Yeah, loose cannon. Oh, you know what? Put the badge. Keep that. You don't know what crazies are out there. Yeah, yeah. Keep the gun. Yeah, just keep that. Uh, just you know, just keep the badge and the gun. You know, forget about it. That just yeah, yeah. You, you know what? Down. I'll see you tomorrow. You know what? See you at nine a.m. Nope. We'll meet for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's 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 funny that y'all brought up Fabio because there was another famous actor that played an extra in this. That I I I started I started doing a little bit of research. I was looking at all the names. On the IMBD, Larry King. Besides oh, you, Larry King, are you talking about, Sammy, uh, Samuel, talking about our boy Sammy? Samuel L. Jackson was in this movie as an extra, and you wouldn't probably notice him, but they they made sure there's a, there's a scene where there is a blind man sitting at a table, and that's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> He's like listening to a radio, but yeah, they dub over his voice. Why did they do? I don't that? know why. <laughs> why? Because they terrible. weren't they were not ready for the power of Samuel L. Jackson yet. They didn't know what they had. They, he was. That's a very yeah. That's a very young Samuel. Yeah, he was very young right there. I think yeah, nineteen ninety. So yeah, that but was that before his uh, role in Die Hard? Yeah, oh, okay, pretty sure. beautiful up and coming actor Samuel L. Jackson. Good job. You gotta take, you gotta um, take the jobs when you get them. The Larry King, the Larry King one is also funny because I think they were just like, they were just filming like uh for like a little bit in New York, and they were just like, hey, it would be cool to have you know someone from actual life, you know, just to show you know we're in New York kind of thing for credibility. So like, hey, would that work? Could you do it? And he's like, ah, I can only do it like I forgot what he said, like on a Tuesday between like at three, and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll make that happen. So they have him in the diner just. As a background character, <laughs> uh, but the uh, exorcism scene—I uh, think it works, still works well, even though Father Morning is just a complete. Just I don't know why he's here. It works well because um, the director himself was like gonna do it because he originally didn't want it in there, and the studio was like, "We're gonna have this an exorcism." If you don't do it, we're going to get someone who will. So they thought about maybe having, like, John Carpenter. Uh, but uh, the the director, I forget his name, Blatty, uh, something, um, William Blatty, uh, he just decided, no, okay, listen, if I have to do this, I'm going to be the one to do it. So he stepped in and he made the exorcism part uh, every bit his own because he was like, you know what, if it has to be in here, I want to be the one to do it. Um, so it's a bit gory, it's a bit over the top. It does have special effects, unlike the rest of the movie, um, because he had to. Yeah, because that it the, the gore and that just seemed a little out of place. Like he was burning to the <laughs> ceiling. He was like his skin was ripping off, and his face was ripping off. But then if you looked at his face, there was really nothing like wrong with the the left side of his face that was burning into the ceiling. It peeled off, man. Well, yeah, but it didn't look all that bad, like how they made it look when he was, like, <laughs> coming off of, like, the fly trap or whatever. You know? Just tape it back it's, like, <laughs> it's still sticky. I can I can make this work. Please stay on for daddy, please. <laughs> um, stay on for daddy. But no, but, like, muscles. 
were pulling out of his body. Like they were the pulling out of his body, and we see him on the ground. You see, you see, you see, you don't look all that bad. Oh, Father bad. Morning is going to have such intense scarring over his back that it's. I mean, he may have never heal. Oh, he might be dead. Admittedly, when <coughs> when the demon is like shooting like a gust of wind or energy, or whatever, and it blows off part of his clothes, I was like, "Oh no, are we gonna get a naked? <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna blow off all of his clothes?" Oh no, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't give that much fan service. By the way, I have to say, I did just go on a deep dive of Samuel Jackson's career. He is not in Die Hard. I thought he wasn't. Oh, he meant Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, yeah which he, one? I I meant I, I didn't mean I. That's one of the. Sequels. I didn't mean Die Hard the the first one. I meant like like a Die Hard like in, in general as a as a whole. Like he was in one of the Die Hard movies. It's, he was in the third Die Hard. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, if Samuel Jackson was in a Die Hard movie, it was after he got big. Wait, did you really look that up? Were you trying to spite me right now, bro? No, I was just really confused. I was just like, I never heard about De- of Samuel Jackson in Die Hard. I was like, what? I need to know. What is going on? Uh, You've also never seen I've never seen Die Hard, but I was just like, I've never, I would have at least heard of this. Like, there would be some sort of fact about, like, did you know that Samuel Jackson, like, appeared in Die Hard as well? Like, that always is, like, something that people bring up about an actor when they're in smaller roles in big movies. And I had never heard that, so I wanted to know. Like, I was just like, is this true? Like, holy crap. Listeners, viewers of this podcast, I have never seen Die Hard, Back to the Future, any of them. I've never I've seen Die Hard seen or Back to the Future Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, shit. Nice. What up, Brad? I've only seen one Indiana Jones. <laughs> and that was the, the what, the, uh, the, the, the Lost uh, something, the first one. The Lost Covenant. Raiders or... of the Lost Ark. Yeah, there you go. That... I'm in a podcast with people who don't watch movies. Hey, I'm, I'm just a guest. Okay, sorry I didn't Help. watch those <laughs> specific movies, but I do watch movies, okay? Okay. <laughs> Like, I am a huge fan of Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. That's a good one! (laughs) Yes, let's look in this book, (laughs) Earth, wind, fire, and air! (laughs) Next podcast, I'll be back for Scooby-Doo, everybody. Let's go! I love the relationship between Kinderman and Father It is Father. really good. It is a very well-portrayed relationship. So, especially because, like, in the first movie, you don't really get the sense that they know. I, I don't remember that relationship from the first movie that well. And I think they actually, in the yeah. quick, in the brief moments you have both of them, I, I fully agree that they had a really great dynamic with these two actors. Uh, uh, well, like, I think, I think they it's implied, I think, think supposedly that they've been friends for longer yeah. but it was that exorcism that really brought them yeah. together but they really come off as like lifelong friends oh yeah i the... mean it has been 15 years difference between the first movie setting and like this movie yeah the, the, uh kinderman's um, so bitter and father dyer he's, he's he's i can't remember was he pretty cranky too or he was more upbeat about things wasn't he i he's, he's so sarcastic and matter of fact he kind of seemed a little existential uh, as well but he's pretty optimistic. Really, so I, I I really like their dynamic. Yeah, I I, th- I think he's, he, I think he just has his, uh, he just has everything Maybe. kind of just set and how I think he he wants it. Or I guess you're it. right. Maybe I should more just focus on the fact that like he has, he has a very like kind of dry humor though. Yeah, I remember kid. I I at least I remember I I I think I had to step away for a second. 
Uh, but I remember Kinderman was just kind of like, he was like pretty worried about him while he was in the, the hospital bed. And he was trying to make sure that they were taking care of him. I was, I was just <laughs> like, that, I was like, that reminds me of my relationship with Kaz. Except I would probably, I would be Father Dryer. I, I would be the one to die. So. Oh, because I'm grumpy? Yeah, you're grumpy. Nah, I, I mean, yeah, I am grumpy, but I'll probably die first. Nah, nah, nah. I, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. I mean, go, go, go off, I guess. <laughs> I I do love, like, that he's just, like, gasling him. He's, like, smoking. He's like, you know, this will kill you, whatever. And he's like, oh, whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, just like your brother. And he said, my brother died from Vietnam. He said, well, there might have been a lady. <laughs> and then, and then, after smoking, Father Dyer dies. Coincidence? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Smoking kills kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was Nam. It got him. If you, if you smoke, you'll get shot in Vietnam or demon might Yeah, look, you could smoke and either develop lung cancer or... Oh, God. We, 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 we. I was going to say, like, or you die by demon, or you die by Vietnam, or, like, you know, you never know. Like, you smoke a cigarette that one time, pigeon flies, hits you straight in the head in the right moment, you die. Fabio didn't die from a pigeon. <laughs> you never head. know. He just got bloody nose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed... See, and that's because Fabio doesn't smoke. I have no clue. <laughs> I enjoyed how angry that nurse was the whole movie. She was just, she wasn't having any of Kinderman's shit the whole time. That's a woman like, you that gotta has get been out of in here. the healthcare Possibly. profession for so long that it's just like, I, so, like, so wrote, but so disillusioned. <laughs> she seems so, t- like, annoyed and not wanting to bother with his shit, and yet she seems so... I don't know. She just seemed caring, and when she's patching his hand up after he fucking punched the uh, the fucking insane patient in the face, I love. She's put him together. She's talking more gently and being she, nice. To she she gives the perfect <laughs> vibe. That person that just like wakes up at the morn in the morning and just goes, ah, "Fuck." That's how I feel when I wake up before I go to work. About to say, dude. <laughs> That's me. I don't know. I don't know the deal with the health profession though, so I think she's got it worse than I do. Oh God. Uh, also, just you know, going back to the relationship between Kinderman and Dyer. I well, not really. So this isn't so much about the relationship, but just uh, it's about Kinderman being the most frustrated person <laughs> in cinema. He has a whole tirade that he goes on about a fucking carp. It doesn't really fit in the movie, but I love that it's there. <laughs> He goes on about how he can't go home, or he doesn't want to go home, because if he does, there's a carp there, because his mother-in-law wants to make it fresh, because it has all these impurities, so you have to keep it in, you know, fresh until you're ready to kill it, yeah, and he, eat it, he, so they're keeping it in a bath. He was mentioning about not being able to take a bath or a shower, right? Yeah, yeah. he's like, father, now you're standing really close to me, you notice, <laughs> I haven't been able to shower for three days, I'm afraid if I go home and see that carp while it's awake, I'll kill it. <laughs> And it's it's the most insane person, but it's like I think I would also be as frustrated as this man. If I if I can't shower for three days, I'm the heads are gonna roll. I'll fill I, a car. I, I shower daily, so if I'm unable to shower on that exact day, and if I have to wait to shower three whole days, I'm gonna be the most frustrated and angry bubs anybody will see in their life. I'm so fucking mad just thinking about it right now. 
we had some time where people were fixing our plumbing and I couldn't shower for that day. And I was like, all right, it's fine. I showered. I, you know, it, it's fine. I, you know, one day won't kill me. The next day, I still couldn't use the shower. I drove to someone's house in Helotas, which is far from here, as you two <laughs> might know, so I could use their shower. I could have gone to a hotel, maybe. But I'm not paying for Honestly, <laughs> I would have still, if I couldn't find anybody to borrow a shower from, I would still probably go somewhere just to pay to use a shower. I, I went somewhere. I just, I paid in, well, paid in gas money, not so much a room. Just because, sh- like, yeah, like, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. So, hey, if you take nothing away from this podcast, anyone, know that we are three men. <laughs> Uh, two of us are single ladies. <laughs> I'm not a single lady. No, damn it, guys. No, <laughs> shit. No, uh, no. Think... no, I'll never get a girlfriend. Gotta... Do we want to talk about the... <laughs> gotta uh, make sure that we... Talk about the hallway sequence? Yes. I was just about to say, I was like, we can't talk about this movie and not talk like, about the We have to talk scene. about that. Everyone, like, most people who have heard about this movie... If they only know one thing, it's the hallway sequence. Yeah, I think everybody that was watching just, it knew, like, heard about this somehow, even though they hadn't seen the movie. Uh, I I love it. I, I love how the cameras panned out. You're able to see the full hallway. Uh, some things a little more obscure than others, like guy sitting in the background. Everybody, everybody, it, ladies just doing her job. Normal hospital stuff, checking on the patients, going in and out of rooms, turning off lights, closing doors, and then, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> it's unnerving, and it's tense the whole time, but you're like, oh, well, th- I, I, there's someone in the background, you know, there's a co- there's a, you know, a security guard there, so, like, you know, you know something's gonna happen, but you're just like, I, I mean, how dangerous can it be kind of thing, and then, while things are happening in the foreground, and she goes and checks out another room, we get a false jump scare. A uh, patient wakes up and yells at her, and you know that part probably will get a lot of people. Um, and then, yeah, we go back out. She's flustered. She's kind of freaked out by that experience because she got the shit scared out of her. And in the background, as she's checking through rooms, you see the, uh, the the security guard gets pulled away. Once he's gone, the scene is still going, and it's taking its time, and it's just so tense. And you're like, her safety is gone. It's. Honestly, I don't know if that scene really paid off for me, seeing it the first time what? it was shown to me. Because it's just like, this is going on. For-. And then when it finally does happen, in my head I'm thinking to myself, it's just like, oh shit, one of the Charlie Brown gang grew up as a real killer. <laughs> like, that's what it was. Like, it was just a sheet over somebody. And I'm just like, did you cut some holes in the eyes too? That's supposed to be, like, terrifying to me. Listen, Charlie Brown has gotten rocks. <laughs> Too long I knew and it for wasn't too Brown far. There wasn't holes everywhere. It was somebody else. My guess. My guess. Linus. No, it was Schroeder because it's always the fucking artist that goes. Shut crazy. the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> it would be the penis that would fucking chop a lady clean in half. That's Wait. the that's the uh, rated ooh. R Charlie Brown movie I need. When it goes into like public domain, <laughs> yeah, this summer. Oh man, I don't know. Winnie, Winnie the Pooh is just a sign of bad things to come when the public domain <laughs> gets a hold of of these things. This I'm sure, someone might do a good one, but a lot of it's gonna be shit. So yeah, I 
I know the scene. We watched the scene. Well, it's a good scene. Yeah. I I can I guess I know people like it. I didn't get much of a payoff from it. This getting scared. I got. It I mean, was like with her. I got scared when the guy, like, lifted himself up from his bed and was like, "What the hell? I'm trying to sleep here." Like, that would have scared me in real life too. But then, like that sequence, as I saw it and like it happened, I was just like, oh, "See, I'm not even that. Bi- I I don't really like jump scares all that much." But what I what the the I think what the point of that is just kind of. It is a sort of morbid release of tension. Well, what I I think it's not so much to the payoff uh, in that like oh god it got me it was so scary. I think it's just that that scene has such a good long buildup of tension, um, and then when it finally happens you're like, it I don't know it's just cause especially if you see it for the first time it's not so much that it scare jump scares you or freaks you out it's just like oh god it finally happened. Kind of I'm thing. not gonna lie. I can finally let go of, of all of this. I I feel like. I never do this, and I'm sorry, I'm not a filmmaker, so if you want to ignore my opinion, I totally understand. But what I what I would have maybe kind of would have preferred in that sequence was after the security guard left and she went into that room, I would have loved some sort of kind of flash of light, like a change in ambience coming from that room, and then the door slammed. I didn't need the ghost following her. Like, I understand a release of tension. I just don't know if that was the best release of tension but that's only my opinion oh <clears throat> yeah i don't know i'm sure we could probably like you know like brainstorm like ways of like oh wouldn't it have been cool wouldn't it have been so much better if we did this uh but i don't know the scene that we got i like it yeah i thought i i, I did like how it was shot and everything and i did kind of like the questioning that you would get from it going on and on like that it's it's a sequence I understand why people always want to share. I, 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 I loved it. I, I wasn't. I, I didn't know what to expect when I first saw the movie the first time, because uh, I, I, I personally never knew about the clip or that scene in, at all until I actually saw this movie for the first time a few years back. And I don't know. Just every, the whole buildup for me is just it's right. But what I what I like about like the payoff from it after it's done. They, they talk about the body being found. And it looks like he's going directly for the nurse's head. And they're like, oh, yeah. He split her right down the middle in half. I was like, how the fuck did he split her down the middle? <laughs> I, think he did t- I think he did cut off her head, too. Oh, though. he did? Okay, never mind. Damn. Cause, yeah, because he cuts off everyone's head. And then later on, there's like a Jesus statue that's missing a head, which uh, it seems like I think the MO is to put Jesus statue heads uh, over the victim's bodies kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, he cut out, cut her out down the middle, and replaced her organs with like rosaries, which. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah! I remember theatrical. that. Oh my gosh, the beginning of the movie when the church doors blast open and the crucifix is there and the Jesus's <laughs> eyes open. <laughs> Sir, how dare you? That's that's yeah. good cinema. That's good cinema. <laughs> It's so goofy. It's so goofy. Jesus opens his eyes and he looks so Okay, like, okay, y'all gonna complain about that? Okay, how about when the lady is on top of the wall? Like, fucking something that was from the so Little Rascals. Good. No, I was so into that. She does the turn around the back look smile to look down at fucking yeah. Kinder McGuid. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Listen up, you both two both ready to get one up. How about that Joker statue? That oh my gosh, the Joker statue! <laughs> <laughs> it's just Joker 
standing there like an Italian, holding like an Italian cold steel, like <laughs> fucking short little pizza knife, whatever those are called. That was so good. <laughs> and he just looks like Joker. He's so evil. He just, it just looks like Joker. I think it's supposed to be like an evil demonic <laughs> possessed. It's, it's Joker. Just it's Joker. 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 It's just a Joker. That story. was that was Mark Hamill's Joker right there. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a comic book Joker. Like it doesn't look like a statue. Maybe someone just reused from like uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, <sighs> which would have been out I think a year before. Uh, oh, this Cam saw yeah, that I think, a year before, and he was just like, "I have." The greatest idea. And that's that's Exorcist 3 spawned Batman the Animated Series. No, Animated Series also came out in 89, I believe. The Animated Series? No, that was in the 90s. Was it 89 or 90? Okay, well, maybe it was 90 then. But it seriously, it would have come out around the same time, and animation takes forever. Yeah, true. Uh, nice. but the it's crazy one thing that oh but there is there is uh, one, one last right. thing then let's agree we were both close <laughs> yeah we were both sorry that was that's I'm a just draw, saying Bubs, and Bubs, might, by Bubs might be right maybe maybe the right one of the writers saw or one of the animators like <laughs> saw this movie and was just like guys I have this crazy idea <laughs> I just got out of seeing The Exorcist 3 the statue of the Joker in the movie Let's make an animated series. Let's go. I love that you are going through all these loops to say that the animated that this movie spawned the animated series. When if you look at any comic book that had the Joker back then, he looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how it's I'm saying this. Likely. I love how I'm saying this while looking at the description of Batman the animated series, just like, uh, like un- <laughs> it's like kind of like based off of the original Batman comic books. <laughs> I was expecting you to be like, look, it says here in the factoids that it was inspired by Exorcist <laughs> 3. And then I was going to be like, Bubs, we were both close. <laughs> um, now, there's just one line I like that I thought it was kind of funny by the Gemini killer. Uh, I I forget what they were talking about, but fucking, fucking Brad Dorff says it's child's play. And they cut to like this kid that kind of looks like Chucky in a way. I like that. Oh, did they cut to a kid that looks like Chucky? I don't think I noticed that. Oh yeah, it was like a, a kid or a doll or something like that, like a redheaded boy. I know he has the the line where he says like you know child's play and you know. I don't, every time I watch it, I I'm I'm such a basic human monkey person that I'm just like he said. He thing. said it. Neuron activated. He said it. <laughs> oh, by the way, cult of Chucky, everybody. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Just throwing that out there. What? <laughs> So is the, <laughs> I have a question. Very. If the master is Legion, is Gemini a part of Legion now? Because he says like he was within the void without the body, like floating within it. But is that like the void of Legion itself? Like the multiple souls that make up the multiple demons that make up Legion? Or is Legion just like basically uh. like picking souls out of like the void of hell? And just like shoving it where it goes or where it wants. I'm so far removed from Catholic school that I can't even pretend or remember whether or not Le- what Legion is exactly comprised of and how it comes. Legion is just it. a multitude of I demons. That's really what Legion I, I, is. Just, I, yeah. I, but whether it incorporates like the worst of human souls to make the more demons, I don't know. But I'm agree with you. That sounds great. He's a part of. Legion. I would say he's a part of Legion as well. I mean, it would be probably just floating in hell, 
doing nothing. And then Legion's like, you know what? Let's go fuck with that Kinderman guy. Let's go, man. Let's we're gonna. I'm gonna do you a solid. We're gonna go or ruin his life. Well, remember they Man, weren't you. fucking with Kinderman. They were fucking with Karis. This was all a punishment for Karis for performing the exorcism. He like he Legion or uh, the Gemini Killer doesn't really give a shit about Kinderman or Father Dyer. Like he randomly. he wants to kill like he usually does with no modus operandi, like which was just random killing, which makes him one of those difficult serial killers to catch. Uh, but he had to kill these people because Legion commanded it because it was a punishment towards Karis. Kinderman was just, you know, in the crosshairs of this kind of situation. Like you had, it, it was like, yeah, he was. He was essentially the same as Father Dyer. He was something that was going to be disposed of, but because he had such involvement coming to Karis constantly. Um, I think they just went about like yeah, they went about ruining his life before deciding to try to kill. Him. Okay, that makes more sense. Because like I thought in, they were just fucking with in him. the monologue <laughs> we were talking about like when he's introduced, uh, he talks about how like he or is it in the second monologue in one of the monologues he talks about like the priest has to watch as I rip and tear and kill his loved ones and see the sins committed with his own hands. Like yeah. it's really just a. This is his hell for, you know, fighting the Lord's fight, I, as I, one would put it. I also have a question. Uh, Father Karras, eternally damned. I don't think at this point. I think after he is killed, uh, like, he's been released. He, I, thought, I thought dying while being possessed was going to, like kill him but you know, there could be like some kind of like maybe the demon controlled him or noble sacrifice something like that but at one point i, I would probably Jedi say he wouldn't be damned he says only because he says that father Karras is here in here with us and he will never leave i mean if and i just in my head it feels like the demons has pulled his have pulled his soul to hell that's a very morbid thought but mm. i i i i'm always i'm, I'm one of those people that likes a happy ending <laughs> And oh, I I love a dog shit bad. I wouldn't be like <laughs> honestly for me. My idea is that like, Karis when he dies in this movie, it's like he's I don't know if he goes on to like heaven or anything, but he can at least go back to the void and his body can't be used again. Because here's the situation: we don't we now know that like when he died, he truly really we don't know if he actually died. Now we don't. Because this demon was able to not only put his own soul back into his body, he was able to put another soul back into his body, possess the body, and bring the body back to normal function. Oh, well, because it wasn't in this version, so it's not canon, so, I don't know, it's, you could sit it in an alternate universe or whatever, but originally I think their plan was they were going to try to reshoot some of, I guess, the ending of the first one, in a way, where basically, you know, um, Kinderman would follow with uh, Father Karras as he was willed, you know, pronounced dead or whatever, off to the hospital, and he was going to, like, after he was pronounced, he was going to leave, and I think while he was, you know, I guess either in the uh, morgue or whatever, uh, he was going to start, uh, his eyes were going to open, and he was going to start breathing again. Um, so I think that's how it was supposed to happen. It's kind of he it kind of explains it a little bit in the movie where he's like, "Oh yeah, he was dead," but instead they make it to where he was 
uh, buried, and he had to crawl out of the casket and out of the ground. I, I like to think that even with the shot to the head, well, I don't like to think, but I, I figure what what usually what might happen. Hang on, so so Father Karras dies in that ending scene. He gets shot, right? I I would think that Legion would be strong enough to still bring him back, and he would continue Damn. to to torment uh, Father Karras. Like yeah, but I mean, <laughs> oh, look at I mean, just like you said, he was able to bring the body back to life, functioning, and. If he did that after him throwing himself out of a window and cracking his neck and just kind of just falling down the big old flight of stairs, gunshot's not going to do much. Well, I think because in the movie they do, because the Gemini Killer does explain that it took him a lot, a lot of effort to stimulate brain cells back to life, to have to use all of his energy to crawl. He became a like almost veg- you know, vegetative state just getting out of the ground. And that was because Father Karras died from being flung out a fucking window and downstairs. I think it might be an impossible amount of effort to come back from those bullet holes. <laughs> yeah, and... Exorcist 4, 2023. I'm back, baby. Father Karras is back for another possession. And I guess, like, if we <laughs> want to get into the realm of, like, hypothesis here and, like, ideas, my take would be the Gemini was able to come back because he was a soul that wanted to keep killing and come back because he still had a purpose, he thought, when he died, was that there was still so much more killing to do. Karis is a soul that would never, ever want to come back. So it might, it would maybe be harder for Legion to try to plant him into a different body because he would probably reject every type of process for that because he has no purpose in coming back. That's why I think he's lost to the Void because... He has nothing to to tie him back to this world. Yeah. Damn. I guess if you want to take a spiritual approach to the religious movie. I know, I'm such a jackass. <laughs> how, how, how dare you bring religion to this podcast? I'm never coming back after this. <laughs> Are you telling me we're not going to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3? Yes, we're going to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I, I was... And we're going to talk about the Catholic undertones of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Hell yeah! <laughs> And this right here is why the turtles are reincarnation of the apostles. Like, oh, no! And Raphael um, is in this oh, moment. God. Yeah, so, yeah, I feel... I, I, okay. I would like to think that God was still there. As, as, even though as little as it showed him there with that little beam of light showing that he was still there and cared. If we were going to go through a spiritual approach... I think Karis was uh, was taken to heaven after that because he technically did no Mm. wrong. He he sacrificed himself to save another soul at the first movie. So that right there should have some some type of penance with yeah, I suppose God. I should say. I suppose we'd have to get into the religious philosophy of the difference between suicide and martyrdom. I guess. Yeah, and here's the situation too. Karis was a character that had lost his faith, but we'll get into it. (laughs) But he found it at the end, D- didn't he? <laughs> found like it was more like it seemed more like at the end of the Exorcist that he found the strength no. to save uh, oh, the girl Karis? that needed to be saved. Karis, I think, has never lost his faith. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting question about Karis's faith, even by the end of this movie, because 
like where would Karis be in the situation? Because would would his face still be strong, or would he start questioning why someone like him had to go through this? That is... yeah, would you feel abandoned by God? <laughs> Damn, that is good. That's sick. <laughs> I God's pretty. God's pretty weak. So we got Look, the story of Job is trying to prove point, but the question is just like. What do people actually think when going through such a trial, especially Karis? Like, God, like that, that is so beyond demonic with what's going on with him, you know? Like, you yeah. can understand why it's going on because this is revenge from a demon. So, of course, it'd be as, like, as insanely fucked up as you can think of. But to happen to someone like him who, like, in his head has to wrestle with the fact that, like, this happened because he, Honestly, just tried to do a good thing to prove his own faith. Yeah, mm. was it worth it? Mm. I I don't know because I think a lot of themes of the movie is because you know what we hear about constantly through background characters, other things happening is like moral decay. It kind of just it makes me think that like good is something you have to fight for, and evil is kind of always feels like an ever present mm-hmm. thing. That I can get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very downer of a topic and theme but i don't know that's, and that's so, what i get because yeah it's just there's always like more so you're right because he he did fight for Bad good in the exorcist him. but where was his faith by the end of it and where is his faith now and yeah it, it feels more like it feels like more like incidental that he was uh damned to this horrible fate because of it it wasn't so much of a plan or like, oh, God's going to come and save you. It's a, no, this happened, and so here's the consequences. Demons have interfered. D- evil has gone into the, you know, it ha- has moved into this opportunity so much, uh, rather than any kind of grand design or any kind of like, oh, if your faith is strong enough, you know, God will help you. It's more of a, no, this is what happened, and so, th- or this is what you did, so this is what happened. Consequences. <laughs> you interfered with demons. So demons want to get back at you. Like, sorry, Fabio's not Talk there around, for find you. Out. You close your eyes. You want to? F- the story of Job also <laughs> sucks shit. Like <laughs> fucking just them saying like, "Yo, yeah, hey, look, listen, that guy's only believes in you because all shit's going right. Like, he would not believe in you if his if his life sucked. <laughs> bet. <stopped>. Like that." <laughs> I was about to you say that, dude. I was about to say like, hey, God was just like, "Bet." <laughs> Someone hold my my wine. <laughs> Ruins this oh man's my life gosh. because he's like, nah, they love me. And that's yeah, <laughs> oh. char- I feel so bad for his character. A, a level of petty insecurity that I can only aspire <laughs> to. God damn it! You beat me, Lord. Look, there. When it comes to Exorcist Three, bringing back Karis this way was brilliant. I did not expect this character to ever return, unless this was some sort of saw bullshit. But this was so good. Because again, like just like Kaz put it, this is not only like a way to keep this, like to get a sequel to the original story, but to really tell a story also about consequence. Yeah, and and also I think it's done well because if you were to describe that as like, oh yeah, and then the priest that died in the original, he's back and he's a character in this, but you know, you would think like, oh, that sounds like yeah, like why would I want to say that? But like, <laughs> oh, he's not the hero that, in this. That sounds awful. Why, oh, they're bringing back yeah, it's, he's he's but, broken at least from what you see. He just wants to die at this point, be released. I, 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 I feel like even with him dead, his. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going with it. His soul was damned. There was nothing to change that fate. Yeah. But he just. I don't think he. Oh god. I don't think he necessarily wanted to die. I think he just wanted uh, his suffering to end. Because the lines that people say they hear him say when he's Karis is "Father, save your servant." He just doesn't want to suffer. This Honestly, anymore. if I was Karis, in my mind, like with that much suffering, I wouldn't want hell. I wouldn't want heaven. I would just want sleep. Just, I would just want to rest. Just pee. Let the cosmic energy that makes up the essence of my soul go back into the the pool of cosmic energy that just goes back into the world. Wherever it needs to be within the void. I don't know. Do you see see that dream? I'll go to that heaven. Like, heaven heaven always sounds boring because it's like, oh, everyone who was good was there. But, like, I don't know. There was jazz music playing. Sam Jackson's there. Fabio's there. I don't know that I care that Fabio's there. But, like... It seemed kind of rad. People seemed pretty cool in, have, in that heaven. Yeah, but it was pretty chill. <laughs> it was trippy. People were just like laying down and sleeping and listening to the radio and being cool. Yeah. It's like being in an old folks' home. I'll go to an old folks' home when I die. I'll go to an old folks' or home would, now. would you choose the, the heaven from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Never seen it. Never seen it. Oh my God! Well, well, well. I'm in a podcast with people that don't watch movies. Wow, my God, God, why? Tucker, cut out the part where it seemed like I gave him that that idea, and just make it seem like it was Bubby. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that, and it's do the God why at the end of it. Please. God, why? God, why? I love his exclamation. It is not in the Bible. I believe in you and believe in filth and corruption. Slime. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I love George C. Scott in this movie. He's great in this. He actually uh, got a Golden Raspberry nomination for Worst Actor for this movie. What? Yeah. Undeserved. Undeserved. Completely undeserved. Undeserved. It's not in the file! Because I think they were hoping... (laughs) (laughs) I think they were hoping to get an Oscar, actually, for this, because the first movie was, I think, nominated. I don't think it was anything. It was nominated for awards. And so they were hoping that this one, bringing the actual writer of the books, would give uh, an award, get him, you know, an award. And he (laughs) notoriously um, rejected his first Oscar or award because he said... I mean, it's a drama. Everyone who worked here was good in their own right. Uh, my performance wasn't better than anyone's. It was just a different one. So he rejected his award. So they were, like, hoping when they were doing this movie, they said, I hope he accepts his award this time. <laughs> and he didn't He didn't get nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Damn. But they were like, hey, give him a raspberry. I'm sure he'll take that. He's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know there was an adaptation of him with A Christmas Carol, so I definitely know what I'm watching this Christmas season. It's great. It's great. I saw it last year for the first I, time. Awesome. Not as good as Muppets Christmas, oh, but how? I don't know. I I haven't seen I haven't seen Muppets Christmas. I saw Shut Scrooge the with fuck you. Up. All right, Square, oh, it's your turn to say. I am with. I am on a podcast with people that don't watch movies. What the fuck, Bubs? Oh. What the fuck? You cannot tell me you hey, have not I'm seen just... a Muppets Christmas Carol. It is one of the I'm best just a guest here. Do you know why, Bubs? Do you know why that movie is amazing? Why? Because fucking Kermit the Frog and Miss Because Piggy? Michael Caine plays Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, and Michael oh, Caine everybody, plays that. Everybody goes, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, Caine plays that Michael movie, Caine plays is. that role 
as if everybody is a like true thespian actor and not a muppet because he didn't want any of that muppet shit and the muppets play it like total <laughs> asshole it's so good now all right now bubs you did say everyone michael came this michael came that that movie is great because michael came <laughs> this michael came that i failed you oh. i failed you sir I failed you. <laughs> I, I I am a jackass because I actually didn't see the Muppets uh, Christmas Carol until last year. <laughs> well, I guess it's my year to watch it this time. Oh, let so. me know. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. be there for that. I want to be there. I want to experience it with you. Have y'all done it for a, a Have y'all done it for a podcast? Oh yeah, we'll do it in the future because we have we have the holiday season planned and it's gonna be wonderful. All right, well, I'm down to watch outside of podcasts or the Christmas Carol with y'all. So. Y'all pick a damn time and Hell I'll be yeah. there. That's what I love to hear. And I want to see Michael Caine talk to the Muppets. He's like, hey, yeah, you, you frog, come here. I do want to say for the Exorcist back 3, to work. Thing about this movie, we now have another addition to true uh, granny badassness where uh, the Gemini killer has taken over the insane lady who is pretending to be a nurse oh, and shows up to uh, the house of Kinderman to kill Kinderman's daughter and like looks straight at Kinderman says like, it's like, it has to happen this way. Pulls out the super insane shoes to decapitate his daughter. And oh, the granny yes. just like matrix style pulls the hair, just like the best like cut shot to like, the perfect dodge <laughs> of getting your head sliced off, and it's just like, yo, Randy got hands. Oh, what? Mother-in-law MVP. We we started. Okay, so I think it's part of it. The part where Cos might have muted us because I was just like, you're just gonna start healing the the hearing the NFL music. Da 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 da. They're like, all right, we gotta we gotta play. Granny has pulled her out. There's a flag on the psycho lady. There's a flag on the field. Offsides. Scissors weren't close enough. Penalty. First down. I, I did mute y'all because that joke started there and it went all the way until fucking Kinderman went back to visit the Gemini killer. And I'm like, this joke is still going yeah, on. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, we, shut up. Sometimes when we're watching these movies, we're not known for like knowing when a joke needs to end. Uh, we kept going. Like we're adding on like to different stuff, and they're, but, they're yeah, like, everyone's building off of each other. I threw in one just so I could be part of it, but then it's uh, like one person, then another person has to be the one that has the last word, then another one, then another one. And I'm like, guys, come on. There's like we we did the joke. No, man. So I lost my shit. So. Of course, you have to admit there, but <laughs> fucking squaring comes out of the right field with this fucking add-on to, like, after I just said, like, watching the replay, and he's like, and Pazuzu is challenging the play! Oh, my God! <laughs> That's right, everybody. Legion has thrown a challenge flag on play. It looks like his assistant coach, Bill Belichick, is backing him on the challenge. <laughs> I want to see you. Pazuzu wearing like with a little clipboard and like one of those little like little hats <laughs> with those oversized headsets around his neck. Those oversized. He's got a little whistle around his neck and he's just like throwing the clipboard. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> oh, oh god! <laughs> so, it Kaz? It's me. No, I'm. Did you like it? I love this movie. 
I mentioned that before. I said the, the square, and I think what at first I don't know if maybe if he's consoled he's consoled this in his mind. But I told him when Bub suggested this, I was like, I didn't want him to suggest this. This is one of my favorite movies, um, and because of that, I usually don't. I wouldn't have picked it for the podcast <laughs> um, because I'm strange. Um, that's fine. But it's my favorite, uh, like Exorcist movie. It's my favorite Brad Dorif um, role that he's ever had. I love Child's Play. I love Chucky movies. Eh, I just love this one so much more. Um, yeah, I could go on and gush about this movie and say all the things I love about it. But yeah, everyone in it is fantastic. When it's weird, it's fucking weird. It's a little bit funny sometimes. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. It's got great tension, great uh, sound design. And it's just a fucked up but compelling story with great, interesting characters. Um, it, it bibs. Oh, you mean the Gemini Bandit? Hmm? Yeah, the Gemini Bandit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I sticky bandit. <laughs> what did, did you like it? Ah, uh, yes, I love this movie. I, I, uh, when I first saw this, I didn't know what to expect, and I fell in love after watching it. And I'd recommend anybody to see this. Go in if if. If anything, go in with an open mind. You know, some parts, like the like cause mentioned, some parts are silly and all that, but the dialogue is good. The acting is superb by Brad Dorif. And I think you'll have a good time watching this movie. How about you, Squaring? Did you like it? This might be a movie I have to watch every October now. This movie was so good. I. Oh, I'm such a simp for movies like this. It was so good. The dialogue was amazing. Brad Dorif's performance was something to really explore and break down the way this movie connects to the first film and brings a character back in a way that like really makes him important to the story and not one of those like I has said like bullshit like oh wait why would we bring this person back like it just worked for me everything about this movie worked like, critics didn't like it, but I don't fucking care. This movie is for the people that watch it and understand what they were trying to do and why it worked. Anyway, Kaz, what do you got going on in your life? Uh, we're in October season, if you couldn't tell. Um, so we're doing some spooky stuff. Me and Nan did Umbrella Chronicles, or started Umbrella Chronicles. It's a bad Resident Evil movie. It's a light gun rail shooter, but it's, you know, all of Resident Evil is hit and miss, you know. Except, like, the main numbered ones are usually good, but even that's not reliable. Bubs and I are also doing Dark Pictures stuff, which I think is the devil in me. Um, going around a murder house, that's fun. Uh, and then is doing stuff like In Sound Mind, and... Ooh, I can't remember the other one. But uh, he's also playing um, uh, Dark Side Chronicles with me. It's co-op. Um, so yeah, we're doing spooky games. Uh, you can come in and throw bits at us to scare the living shit out of us. We love it. Um, and yeah, you can also listen to this podcast live, except on occasions like today, where it's just a little bit more pared down. Uh, Fridays um, at uh, 10 o'clock Central U.S. time. You can catch us at twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's number two, letters N-D, and the word respawn, no spaces or figures in it. It's just twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. Bob's! Yes. What's happening in your life, hmm? All right, yeah. So, month of October. Um, you can find me at Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash digibubs86. 
uh, playing, of course, as I caused mentioned, it's Fright Night now for the month of October. We're playing some uh, Devil in Me. And Tuesday, we have Signalis. Wednesdays is Silent Hill Origins. Thursday, we got the Clock Tower game, which is so difficult to play. And <laughs> today is uh, Friday, so this will be Equinite Beyond. So, Ghost in Space! What you got going on, Square? Honestly, this podcast and this podcast alone. And then I've got some D&D stuff going on for uh, Flight Team. If you want to check that out, uh, you can find me. It, there were some delays, uh, so you can find me doing a one-shot on uh, Smitty Bro's channel. Smitty Bro, S-M-I-T-T-Y-Y-B-R-O. And November 1st, or no, November 5th on Mizzy Cat's channel, M-I-Z-Z-I-C-A-T. Just if you want to stop by, see how I DM and the stories I create, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Sir Squarin, uh, S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. I guess we should talk about the editor. You know, that guy. The one that puts in the work. The one that week after week makes a podcast come out that honestly, I don't know how he can still listen to us. But he does, and it's it's a fucking wonder. But thank you to at Tucker Wins for continuing to edit for us. You can find him on Twitter at Tucker Wins, or you can find him on Spotify uh, under the name Tucker Wins Stanley. Like we said, there's going to be guests galore for the October month, and you can catch us next week with a new movie, a new guest, and a new time for all of us to have together. I don't know. I, I kind of sounded like an asshole there. Thank- Thank you all for having me again. I really like doing this. It's it's fun. Yeah, you just yeah. I, I, I at, at, at at this point, everybody, straight I straight up just, just showed up I, to I told the turtles, and we just have to live with that now. You bet your goddamn <laughs> ass you're gonna live with it. <laughs>